This episode is brought to you by the Nostalgic Millennial Podcast. Prepare yourself for a return to the 1990s on the Nostalgic Millennial Podcast. And then Brendan Fraser leads out with the bravado. And then boom, Evie comes out. One word here. And then they tie in the temptation, not to the money, but to Evie. As we've been doing, we're going to narrate the scenes and then discuss them. So hopefully, if you don't remember the movie that well... It'll ring some bells. On the previous episode of Dragon Ball Z, Goku says, Ka! And then it would start the episode. And then Goku would say, May! And then it would go to commercial. Ha! Commercial. May! Outro. The moment with Binks flinging himself at Winifred at such an epic sacrifice. This is Paul. If you're feeling the nostalgia, follow our Instagram for much more. And this is Matt. We'll see you next time when we return to the 1990s on the Nostalgic Millennial Podcast. Every high school has a Mr. Lit. The word is out on Welcome Freshmen, but they usually got more hair. <laughs> Welcome Freshmen, it's Nickelodeon's guide to getting youth through high school. Same. I pay to get detention with Kevin. Hey, before I heard Merv sing mystery meat, I ate cafeteria food every day. Get a serious attitude problem. It saved my life. Watch Welcome Freshman, weekends on Nickelodeon. Welcome, Slimesters, to Splat Attack, a podcast overflowing into the slime-filled past. I'm your Mervumentary movie maker, Brett. And I'm your popular locker jock, Alex. And <laughs> Brett. Yes. What brings us back to high school today? Uh, glad you asked, Alex, because ever since episode three of our podcast featuring a versus between 15 and welcome freshmen, I've been dying to explore Hawthorne High a little bit more and see how teens lived their lives back in the 90s, especially since I wanted to be one of them back when I was a young, budding 90s Nick kid. It's a good thing the Slime Tank has a time machine function because 2020 teenagers are, are far different from the ones that we grew up admiring on TV. So I, I barely even understand the lingo that's going on now. True that, homie. And that's why we're doing our top five Welcome Freshman episodes today. <laughs> Word to your mother. Nothing like a few life lessons to learn from freshmen who came, saw, and conquered before us. Absolutely. I'm really excited about um, What I'm really excited, though is that we have some followers who have reached out and told us that they're excited for this episode. Uh, I, I really feel like this community that we're building is pretty vast because we get a lot of people who respond to things of like, uh, Hey Arnold, which is wildly popular by, by yeah. late nineties to uh, late nineties Nickelodeon fans. But now we're getting those who enjoyed these really niche programs like space cases and roundhouse and now welcome freshmen. And I'm really excited about this. Yeah. We don't discriminate. We don't discriminate about sharing the love of nineties uh, Nickelodeon around. So no matter how small or even forgotten some of these shows are, you know, we want to give them the attention, the love, the passion and the care they rightfully deserve. And we're just so happy and thankful that we have other people to share it with us, like both on this episode today and, you know, the people who listen to us, our Slimesters and Gakoids. Absolutely. Well, before we before we get our guests in, I think I hear the school bell ringing. Oh, guess it's first period. Hey, Alex, can you uh, 
Can you hold my books for me um, while I open my locker? You know, they're kind of heavy. <laughs> yeah, sure, buddy. Just make it quick so we're not late. I don't want to run into Mr. Littman and get an after-school detention. Don't worry, don't worry. I, I just got to get my textbook, you know, and my leftover frozen yogurt and <laughs> my, uh... Oh, oh, okay. Uh, what do we have just, here? Just how long have you been keeping our fellow freshmen in there? I don't know. I swear. Walter must have been kept keeping him in there and, you know, forgot after Lippman busted, you know, his term paper business. <laughs> oh, boy. Anywho, now that we're we bared out the locker, welcome to the show, Arian, Brock, and also welcome back, Chris. How are y'all been doing lately? How you guys doing? It's good Fantastic. to see you. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yes, thank you guys for being here. Uh, and as we had said at the very beginning, thank you so much, Chris, for coming back after uh, our third episode and one of the first pairings of celebrity guests that we've had. And thank you, Arian and Brock, for taking the time to come out for this. Uh, and actually, uh, it was thanks to Arian that we're able to get Brock. And we're I'm very, very excited about all this. So thank you guys so much. <laughs> Same. So Not glad to be all. here. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This is awesome. I, you know, you guys said I had a, I had a great time the first time around and I have been looking forward to coming back with you guys and uh, especially coming back with Brock and Arian and getting some more of us together too. You know, I know it's going to be a lot of fun and I know it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Indeed. You guys so much for having us. I'm so excited and it was so much fun to watch a few episodes and try to do some homework. And I was just like, everyone leave. I'm, I'm working and I had to just watch Welcome Freshman. It was the thing in the world. Yeah, so you have not changed yeah. at all. <laughs> I took a little trip down memory lane and watched a bunch of episodes to figure out what were my five favorite today. So I'm really excited to share that with you guys. And we just really appreciate you guys keeping the faith and sharing the love, the, the Nick love for the 90s. That was a really, really special time in all of our lives. Definitely. Yeah, we're happy to do it. It was. And yeah, yeah. I love how, you know, this always happens where fads come back every 30 years or so. but there's it's just so funny to me how there's so many young people that know all about the 90s vibe and the nick vibe and they just love that stuff to them it's like vintage cool and i'm like hey that was up it's yep. so crazy yeah isn't that, that that's 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 so crazy and then you know what's weird is that when we were when we were kids it's like you know and, and you know I, I i never i was never a fan of disco i know i, I get bashed for it all the time but i was never a fan of disco but when we were kids we were you know teenagers like the 70s and disco were coming back like huge so it was you know it was the time of delight there was a you know what i mean like people there was this yeah. whole sort of like resurgence and you know, I think about it, that was like 25 years prior to where we were. And now it's like, here we are back in that same situation, only I'm my mom. Like, that's not new. <laughs> <laughs> it was new before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I did it for real, damn it. You know yeah, nothing about yeah. wearing your clothes backwards. Everybody seems to be wearing Converse and high-rise jeans and loud colors and like flannels, and it's just like, okay, so we're still cool then. It's coming back. I'm still, I'm still waiting for some Z Cavaricis to come back, y'all, oh and some skids God. and some jams. Oh my God! Let's get Z it going. Swatches, come on. I was, I was such, I was such a shameless label whore for some Z Cavaricis, <laughs> and I, you know, it was, it was so terrible because they were the most awful pants. Oh my God, Genera. Well, I while we're reminiscing about Welcome Freshman, I, I definitely got to ask you this and kind of hone in on some of these memories. What are your most vivid Welcome Freshman memories of being on the show? Opening the well, floodgates. 
Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just thinking, let me go through let me go through stuff that doesn't have statutes of limitations on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. You know, PG, I, was just, I was just watching the Othello the sophomore episode. I can't remember if it was season three or season four. Wow. It was three. I think that was three. Um, That's actually one of my favorites. That is. So oh, randomly I remembered that the the wig that Jocelyn had, so Alex, who played who was Grant's girlfriend, mm-hmm. um had do you guys remember that wig was super smelly no i just i just remembered that when i was watching that scene and we were all and like smell this no this wig really stinks (laughs) (laughs) i was actually going to ask uh and i don't know if arian remembers this because this is uh Pulling on one moment out of one episode, but I forget which episode it was, but it was one where there were the two other teenagers who kept calling uh, Aaron Squirt, and uh, and she was getting more and more Things frustrated. Uh, yeah. I No, it wasn't the first one. I think it was like the second or third episode of the season, uh, but at one point they had called her Squirt, and then Aaron took her books and just smacked the fire out of one of the guys arm. I mean you could hear it pop. It wasn't a, it wasn't one Actually, of those I remember that. staged ones. It was a loud smack. <laughs> do you remember doing that at all? Well, I don't remember the smack, but I do remember specifically and vividly to answer your vivid memories question. Sure. Episode was very early on for me. So it must have been season three, maybe one or two, like you were saying, two or three. It was very early on. And I was brand new. I had no clue what I was playing. I was not, you know, trained as an actor or anything like that. I, um, you know, that's a long story. But I was like, oh, I know. So Bob and Tim grabbing me and Brock while we were working on the dialogue for that episode. And I don't remember hitting that guy really, really hard. Although I remember all the books I was carrying, I still remember what they all look like. I still have some of them. We used to draw all over them. <laughs> um, I just felt like I didn't really know what I was doing, but I wanted everyone to think that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> they pulled me and Brock aside and they said, go into the green room. And I want you to rehearse this scene until when I walk by you in the hallway, it sounds like you're just having a conversation, not like you're. And so it was like this, I mean, every actor should know that. But for me, I was so green that it was like a light bulb. And I was like, okay, if that's what you want, I'll do that. So (laughs) he like taught me how to ask with two sentences. <laughs> you know what? But it's cool that you learned how to do it because a lot of people spend their entire lifetimes and they spend a lot more than two sentences on it and never get it yes. done. Yes. Never get it done. Y- yes. Yep. So you're ahead yep. of the curve. <laughs> we did not leave that green room until we felt like when someone walked by, they just thought we were talking. And then we, okay, let's do this. And that was that episode. I do remember that specific thing, and Ari and I have talked about it several times since. Um, and I want to say that was Adam Weiss. Was that the director's Adam name? Weiss. Yeah, yeah, Adam that Weiss, Adam right? Weiss. That he was Adam the one. Weiss. And it's yeah. it's it must be really interesting to direct 
kids because I was a pain in the ass. I can ju I just <laughs> I'll just tell you that right now. Like, but you, and you just, know what's funny because you were one of the more well-behaved ones too. <laughs> yeah. So you know, depending on what mood you're in that day, like whether you're helpful or you're not. I remember there was a scene where I want to say Arian and Rick were in the library, and I was like a walk-on in that scene and i was so like i i did not have the patience to wait for my freaking turn to come on <laughs> the set and say my thing and then leave and i literally like the director had to pull me aside and was like what dude like what <laughs> the problem just so, like, you just I gotta wait for your engaged. thing and then come on and say your thing and then leave and it was just i was having some teenager day and like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Sometimes you just got to be rebellious. True. Yeah, you do, yeah. you do. We did a lot of that, man. I think we did a lot of the rebelliousness. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it was, was in vogue in the early 90s too. We, we were a lot. Definitely. We were a lot. I appreciate the patience of all of those people. Oh, God, the poor Wranglers. Do you remember? Remember, Phil, I mean, Phil Galata. Remember, like, Paulie, poor Paul. Paul, oh, my God. Nicole. Paul Terrasio, Nicole. Oh, yeah. geez. These, these were these were the people that were RPA you know, unceremoniously charged with wrangling the talent on the Pin. show. And they just, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh remember Pin? Yeah, I do remember Pin. Abby wow. Ginsburg. Yeah. The, you know, they were just they were just so <laughs> infinitely patient with us. And like Brock said, you know, we were we were teenagers and wild and sometimes not, you know, cooperative. But they were, you know, Paul, I never remember Paul or or Phil. Or, or Nicole ever once like snapping off or losing it on us or anything like that. And and God knows we pushed the boundaries. I mean, <laughs> I can't even imagine what it must have been like. like. You know, we even like an hour for lunch and then we're like, yeah, we're gonna go eat lunch at the grill and then go ride Hanna-Barbera four times. Like what? No, dude, you need <laughs> yeah. to go back. You need to go back. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll be right there. It's just, we're just gonna get up to the front so it won't be that long. And you know, like over and over again, I can't yeah. imagine how they, <laughs> they put up with us yeah. well not not to mention mike speller and janice benson oh, and yeah. like i mean yeah, the they... other grown-ups like the talent that had to like work with us in a scene like okay i i did want to ask you about this and this is this is weird this is indicative of my you know abused memory but and for brock i'm pretty sure you you'll remember this because you were there arian there was a scene that we were doing and i don't remember I, I feel like the three of us were all part of it, but they were doing, I, I feel like they were doing cutaways um, because we were all giggling and laughing like hysterically, like nonstop. So people weren't, be, weren't able to get through their lines and just, you know, trick of the trade for anybody that doesn't know that's listening in movie magic or TV magic. When an actor can't get through his lines, they do cutaways. So that way it relieves the actor from having to remember or say everything at once. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have one job, but when you can't do that, they'll just cut the scene away and do like different, you know? So we had this scene and Arian, I, I think at some point during the scene, like maybe you had like an eyelash get in your eye and your eye twitched. <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> She's covering her face right now. <laughs> 
do you you remember okay so i guess you remember that so her eye twitch brock i feel, i swear to god i feel like you were there but like her she had so she but she's such a soldier like that's the thing like arian will tell you that you know she was you know brand new and green and she didn't know what she and, and all very very true but she she definitely had the best work ethic out of i think pretty much any of us on that show in terms of just 100 percent. in terms of just like showing up and just being present and like like you said, like she, like she, he mentioned doing homework, like it was an off thing. She likely watched all four seasons before. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> 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 she was always very, very, very prepared. And for her, like when stuff like that happened, it was like you know she really kind of took it to heart because she wanted to get through it. She wanted to, you know, so she had this little eyelash or something stuck in her eye, and you know, I, like again, Brock, I might just be trying to spread the blame here, but I feel like you were there. But I know. I have to be culpable for myself. I, I was definitely like a little prickly. <laughs> it was just like I was because she was. I was off camera, so I'm doing my lines with her, and I'm like sitting there while she's trying to like say her lines on camera, and like I'm making all these like ridiculous faces with my eye. Like I'm just like, but I'm still saying my lines. You know what I mean? So that when we would get in trouble, Adam again would be like, "Arian, what the hell?" You know, I just, it, it just went on and on. Like, and I imagine yeah. like now as an adult still working in movie magic, you, you realize that like dollar for dollar, it's like on a production for that. It's like, it's like five grand per hour or something like that. Wow. that people are spending and we're over there just, we'll just take another 30 minutes to shoot this. No problem. Cause you guys don't yes. have anything else to do today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you, if you think about that, the weight of it will like stop you from, like speaking, right? You're just mm -hmm. like, that's all on my shoulders right now. And yeah. I think we talked about this, but we didn't talk about it since you started recording. So I think it it bears repeating the Shawnee's episode when Shawnee's oh, yeah. I Love Your Smile fame came on the show. Was that reaching for the stars? No. It was it Rhymes With Liar. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. Rhymes With Liar. So, yeah. So there was a um, Shanice was on an episode and we all went out to lunch together. We I think we did that on a regular basis, maybe once a week. We did. We would go somewhere and get lunch. And um, and Shanice went with us that day and we were we were singing nothing but a G thing by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and just all together and just being like with Shanice as if she's your buddy that you grew up with. And just singing all the words, that just, was, yeah, that yeah, was just, my jam. I'll never forget that. Yeah, it was. That. Yeah, it was. We 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 played that. We played that CD till it skipped. Like we, yep. <laughs> we played that CD regularly. Yeah. I have pictures of the day that we uh, went to lunch with Shanice, and I'm going to send them to you. I just couldn't find the album in time. Serious? I took the picture. I was sitting in the back of the van, and Shanice is right in front of me. It was one of those eleven passengers. Um, and she just turned around and she's so cute and she's just leaning on the thing. I have that picture. And then the two of us are together in the picture and we're all in the van. Oh man, you guys are like just exploding with welcome freshman goodness. I don't even think we're going to have any left for our top five picks. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of that, let's go ahead and jump into our top five because I'm sure once we get talking about these episodes, uh, the three of you will have memories to tie to the episodes. For those of you who aren't in the know about Welcome Freshman, it was created by Robert Mittenthal, and it ran for four seasons, 49 episodes. It premiered on February 16th, 1991, and ended on February 19th, 1994. The stars in the series include Alex, which is played by Do Jocelyn Steiner, Merv, played by David Roden, 
Kevin, which is played by Chris Loban, Walter played by Rick Galloway, Tara by Jill Setter, Aaron by Arian Ash, Manny by Nicholas Caruso, and Grant by Brock Bradley. Plus Principal Littman, who is played by Mike Speller, and Secretary Miss Petruca, who played Janice Benson, uh, among many, many others that we don't have time to mention. Most, if not all these kid actors and actresses were local kids or ages around like 14 to 16 attending high school in the Orlando area, which made them easier to cast when the series was picked up after their 1990 pilot to be filmed at Nickelodeon Studios. The show revolves around strange yet relatable situations happening at Hawthorne High School, while five teenagers and later six avoid getting into trouble with the bumbling principal, Mr. Lippman. Welcome Freshman is most notable for its alternative grunge feel to their sighting, marked by its alt-rockin' intro, home movie-esque transitions, and the trademark early 90s fashion. The series initially began as a sketch variety show with themes defining the episode similar to You Can't Do That on Television or Roundhouse. After season two, the show changed their approach to appeal to a wider audience with the popular sitcom format at the time. Additionally, all the previous cast members who remained for season three became sophomores, while the three new ones, Aaron, Grant, and Manny, who replaced Merv and Tara, became the new freshmen. According to online sources, Merv skipped ahead a few grades, heading straight to college, while Tara left to live in a biosphere with her parents. Segments prominent in the first two seasons include Coach Roach slash Rochelle, Homeroom Announcements, Mr. History, The Mervumentary, Mike Who, Study Break, Mortis the Safety Tortoise, and much more. Today, our three guests will share their top five picks from the show, along with an honorable and dishonorable mention, if they have any. Um, Launchbox, I found that while I was doing research for the Welcome Freshman, and I found out that you and Mike Speller were on that weird little quirky nine-episode series with also Phil Moore and uh, I think James Spathia or Kareem Matif. Um, who are from Nick Arcade. Can you tell us just a tiny bit about that before we go into our top five list? Cause I'm curious, cause I've never heard about the show before. So it's actually kind of funny because when we were there, it seemed like they would say, hey, I need you to do this thing. Here's your papers, here's your script. We're doing this thing and it's on this day and this time. And I was like, okay. And then I would look at it and I'm like, I don't get it. Like what? And they're like, no, 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 just be Aaron. It's it's your same character. It's like, you know, we're taking the welcome freshman people and we're just, we're doing this other thing, right? But I'm sure they said more than that. <laughs> I just walked into this thing like totally clueless. And so we get on the set and it's like all like Star Trek-y. The only problem was I was like 14. I never watched Star Trek. Oh my God. And any of the... I didn't get any of it. I couldn't even like understand what the words meant. Yeah, really. a lot of uh, references went over your head. Totally. Totally. So I was just like, what? And so they would tell me, you know, just be like this or just do like this. And I'm like, but it's Aaron. Wow. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I just remember being like so confused. But I still just wanted to do a really good job. Like I'm that person who's like, I just want the teacher to know I tried, you know? <laughs> so I just did it, but I just didn't get it. I just was so confused. And I remember being um, like in this thing that they made look like a something we were driving. And then they told us we just had to pretend like it was rocking all around. <laughs> this is movie magic. <laughs> I just, I was like, I don't get, I don't see the big picture. I don't understand where this is going. I don't understand who's ever going to see it. I just be Aaron Kelly, but also be like 
the antagonist on a spaceship. Like, I don't... <laughs> to add to that a little bit, Launchbox was initially going to be an educational program that centered on outer space. Uh, it was very, very short-lived, and I do have some clips, Brett, that I will put in this episode uh, just for anyone wow. who wants to go into that deep-cut territory. But it is a very, very deep-cut that most Nickelodeon fans do not remember. Even the diehard fans one know very little about it. To boldly go. Watch it, buddy. Sorry. To boldly go where no one has gone before, except on that popular space show everyone's seen on TV. We've reached Copernicus Base, Captain, and we're receiving a call. Probably our orders. Put it on the screen. USS Stargrazer, this is Inspector General Carson of Starbase Command. Not Killer Carson. Uh, yes, sir. Captain Pecan at your service, sir. Good. Captain Peanut, your ship has been placed under my authority for 48 hours to undergo a full inspection and effect any necessary repairs. Uh, that's pecan. But look, sir, I assure you everything is in perfect working order. Can it, Cashew? Beam me up to your ship immediately. The four planets closest to our sun, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, are known as the terrestrial planets. Compared to the outer planets, these are small worlds of rock and metal. And then there's the Earth's moon. Alrighty, so uh, with that out of the way, let's do our top five because we're eager to see what we pull out of our lockers from the Welcome Freshman Lexicon. Uh, starting off, Alex, what is your number five pick? Uh, number five, I've got a pretty good mix of uh, of all seasons, but uh, uh, mine is from season one. And my number five pick is Authority. I really liked season one uh, overall just for the uniqueness that it has because most Nickelodeon shows weren't like that type of a sitcom slash variety vignette style. I mean, yes, you had You Can't Do That on television, but that was really the only one. Uh, this was a really good successor of that, and not really any other Nickelodeon shows was doing that, especially at this time. Uh, so it was really unique like that, but it they're all so freaking similar that it's hard to pick a favorite <laughs> Uh, out of this season but uh, the authority episode i really liked because for the first time we really got to see vice principal lippman have an authority figure that was over him and he was worried <laughs> about uh somebody else becoming uh principal and uh taking over his responsibilities but another thing i really really loved about this episode and it, it's very very just subjective to me brett knows I am a huge James Bond fan. And at one point, uh, Mr. Lippman goes into his office to confront the uh, the uh, new fake principal. And he's got his back. The, the chair is, is rotated around. So you just see the back and you see the white cat. And he is petting <laughs> the white cat like, like uh, uh, the Blow claw phone. from Inspector Gadget, <laughs> which alone is, is an homage to 007. Yep. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, for that one moment, uh, the whole season as a whole, I really enjoyed, but that one little moment and, and also seeing Mr. Lippman genuinely afraid of somebody who's in his authority. Uh, I really enjoyed those two, but that is my number five pick. Nice. Cool. Uh, Arian, what is your number five pick? Okay. I'm going to say Hawthorne Confidential. 
um, season four, episode, I thought it was episode 13. I might be wrong, but it's Hawthorne Confidential. Mm -hmm. The reason I like that, sh that episode specifically is because it features the relationships between, this was when the show took a turn and it went from that sketch comedy, you know, layout, so to speak, to the um, more of a, a, a drama, right? More of a sitcom. And so that particular episode really hones in on the different relationships between the pairs of people that they had, you know, structured in, in, in the show itself. So I just really like that one. It really touches on each little personality really well. Yeah, I especially liked um, Alex's documentary that she did on everyone as they're going through like their romance issues and the, the cheesy 70s music that she had in the background when she played it. <laughs> Dating, going steady, breaking up. What's it all about? Who are the winners and losers in the game of love? These are the questions we'll be exploring as we wander through these halls, this tunnel of love. So for my fifth pick, it is uh, The Grass is Always Greener from season two, episode nine. So The Grass is Always Greener. I like this one because it shifts power dynamics. Um, it involves like uh, Jill becoming the teacher in the beginning and uh, Billy Cushman kind of giving her a hard time. And this is one of those episodes that exemplified that because all the boys took his lead and making silly faces and stuff at the, at the mall area where they gather. Um, I really like the shift of the power dynamics here, especially with Lipman being the gym teacher and mm -hmm. um, coach Rochelle being vice principal. Uh, the Murphy with about the French spies where they infiltrate the, the bathroom with Mr. <laughs> Lipman in there and killing his camera for the first time on, on the show was pretty hilarious. I, I got a good chuckle out of that. So um you know, that, that pretty much sums it up. It's like, if, if you want to see something where things are kind of swapped, that's an episode worth checking out. And I also want to mention how like Billy and Alex um, were like gender reversal in their outfits to try and pick up dates. I, I, I do really like that uh, they had Alex uh, gender swap because you, most times you see boys gender swap to be girls in yeah. almost all yeah. these kind of sitcom formats. It's very rare to see a girl be in a boy's shoes so that was kind of fun to see i think they actually had us in drag for one episode if, if not they, did. They, did. they did they did uh, yeah. a, a couple yeah, of times did. they did yeah a couple of times yeah okay okay i actually still have the outfit so <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice do you like to wear it on weekends you know weekends you know happy hour well that that's an interesting point chris because it makes when you say you guys were dressed in drag it makes me wonder how much or what parts of especially season one and two but really the whole show would be canceled these days oh yeah like can you even put like teenagers well i mean i, I don't know that's a good question you, i mean would you 90s tv in general in like some of the things that were standard practice you know you'd be like oh yeah you get some calls oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Calls. <laughs> oh yeah even like the way the um the seniors wanted to beat up manny or you know beat up rick or sorry walter and he would be i can't tell anybody and it's like no, today on TV, they would tell you, no, you have to tell an adult. Tell mm -hmm. a trust. Yeah. It's going to be. But Walter would keep it a secret. And in the episode, I'm I'm dead. You know, he's about to get beat up at the end of school. And he works the whole episode to just try to get out of it. 
but never tells a trusted adult, which is, it, you know, that happens in every sitcom, every single sitcom, that's the formula. Don't tell the trusted adult, E.T., Big Hero 6, it, it's, it's from the issue, you never tell the adult. But today, they would never even let a bully come on and say, you know, three o'clock, I'm going to beat your butt, blah, blah, blah. Like, it just is like, no, no, yeah, no, no. I don't no. Even think you're allowed to write bullies anymore. <laughs> I don't mm. think that's not like a thing. Yeah, going along with things that uh, Welcome Freshman did that you don't see in kids' TV shows now is for, season one, there was a few uses of the word sexy. Yes. Yeah, and, I yes. caught that. Merv is the bravest, sexiest, most wonderful human being I have ever known. And I think even in season one and in season three, they use the term jackass. Oh, yeah, I heard did ass we, Really? Did too. we say jackass? Yeah, so from now on, I'm going to say exactly what I feel. All right, Walter. I feel like an ice cream cone. That's funny. You look like a jackass. Oh. Yeah, my number five pick is, and I'm, mine, mine are pretty short and sweet. Um, cause I, I forgot about daily motion. So I, I just have the, the portions of shows that I have actually saved from the tapes they gave us. Cause we got tapes of all the episodes we were on. Oh, that's awesome. Albeit like really low quality, like VHS. <laughs> and I had to like do yeah. tape to tape to digital transfer. Um, but, Ooh, but hardcore. number five for me is Othello the sophomore. Yes. Mm, good one. And, um, that's, Primarily because I feel like everybody's characters, they're they're actually their characters as as their their themselves mm -hmm. um got to kind of come out in that episode. And so Aaron was very kind of studious and was working hard. And and Alex was the same thing. Like she wanted it to be a really good show. And you know, for for the the Shakespeare presentation you know, um, production that they were doing. And I think, um, yeah, so that I, I think it would just, it kind of let everybody's character come forward. So yes. I, that's, my, that's my number five. That's on my list too. Agreed. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Definitely on my list and just, too. it's kind of meta to say, you know, it's like a play within a play and yeah, you yeah. a bunch mm -hmm. of actors playing actors, <laughs> like kinda, it's kind of cool. And yeah. speaking of go, going back to things that you would not see happen in in TV today, first of all, of all Shakespearean plays to choose for a for a kids show, Othello would right. like, would likely be the last. <laughs> and uh, and of course, I'm thinking, well, of of, of course, Kevin's going to be the lead character because you you have to with this play have to be. Yeah, <laughs> and then to see that uh, what you would not see is Kevin not play that character, but instead it go to Walter with all the cultural <laughs> appropriation that's going on right now. It's like nope, nope, they would not allow Walter to be. Yeah, that's, that's another one you'd probably get some calls about. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember seeing that script. I was like, what the hell? Walter gets to be a fellow. <laughs> all I know is I heard Denzel plays the very best Hamlet. So really doesn't matter as long as it's not a historical thing <laughs> true enough true enough right yeah and chris Thanks. you 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 said uh that one was going to be your yours your picks as well yeah that was uh that yeah fellow was definitely um in my list uh my my, my number five was uh the harvest ball actually um i loved i really liked the harvest ball i thought it was a very cool um you know it's, it's weird as i was going through like my favorite episodes i found that the episodes that struck me that were closest to me 
had more to do with the experience of shooting that episode than it did mm -hmm. with the actual show itself. Sure. sure. You know? So like for me, like the harvest ball, like, uh, like Gwen was there and Gwen was, you know, I had a girlfriend, Kevin finally got a girlfriend and it was, it was a major, major like coup for me to have secured a girlfriend on that show. It was, it was, it was a fight. They did not want to give me a girlfriend at all. They were not like, comfortable with, with with showing me having a girlfriend or whatever so that was like a big thing like we had to fight for that so to have Gwen there at the harvest ball was like a victory for me um, I really liked that I liked that there were several episodes where Kevin was not really he wasn't a dumb character but he was shady on a certain things and airheaded oh, yeah. on certain things yeah but yeah. but that episode we really got to see him be a genuine caring individual for somebody else and i really like that persona of that character i wish we got to see more of that yeah they, they he was that was one of the few episodes where like that episode the episode with shanice um there were there were a few episodes where we you know we kind of got to see a little bit more of kevin and he was less of the one-dimensional kind of you know zach from saved by the bell sort of yes <laughs> cut yes out. you know what much. i mean um, but there, but there were very, there were, there were some times where they sort of, you know, let him sort of explore himself a little bit. Oh, Hope you right. crashed the party. Well, for those of you who are listening, because we have this, uh, our episodes for both video and audio. Uh, for those of you who are watching, you you're well aware who joined us. But for those of you who are listening, <laughs> Rick Galloway decided to crash the party, and uh, uh, th much thanks to uh, Brock for texting back and forth. So thank you, Rick, for joining us. It's a it's Hold a blessing to have you thank here. You. Oh, Glad to have you here for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, if if you would like to join in on the countdown, we are picking our top five favorite episodes, and everyone just gave uh, our our number five pick. And I know putting you on the spot but of the episodes that you've done which uh again was all of them all do you them. have one in particular or that you recall most fondly people versus walter i think was my favorite episode to, to do and to rehash and it's actually the one that has the most face value uh as far as you can find it or mm. pieces of it <clears throat> um but it, it really gave me a chance to kind of be center stage, I think. And then mm -hmm. the things that went on in that episode were uh, downright hilarious. We really had a good time with that one. One of my Which, favorite uh, is from that episode. And I have to agree with Chris, Kevin, um, when he said that a lot of times the things we remember most are the things that the audience would never saw. It's just that how fun it was to shoot it. But in this case, the People versus Walter has one of the greatest moments of Walter Brushman. <laughs> in my opinion, and my sister also agrees with me, so I can't be the only one. When Walter, <laughs> it never gets old. When Mr. Littman is standing in front of the oil painting and Walter is on the motorcycle and he takes the hammer and he hits Mr. Littman with the hammer. And then he like slowly rolls away on the <laughs> It's not on. We're like on a sound stage and he literally just walks. <laughs> Stop. 
I do. You know what? It's always, I've always thought that, that like, and it's funny, the whole time we were doing that show, it was always really clear to me that Rick was the comedic anchor of that show. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was very clear to me. Like, and we all, we all had our moments. We all had like, you know, there were, I mean, there were, there were, you know, they, they they wrote stories for us so that we could each, each character would be like, have its, have its moment or whatever. But, but, but Rick's portrayal of Walter was one of, one of like the fundamental like i think anchor pieces of that show he was you know what i mean he was one of the few characters that like at first glance you look at walter and it doesn't seem like there's much going on there but as you watch welcome freshman like he's one of the more fleshed out characters that they have you know what i mean he's one of the more multi-dimensional characters he really is you know what i mean you really do see more facets of walter's personality there that i think and i think and rick did such a great job like bringing bringing life to it you know what i mean he just he just just committed you know you know what i'm saying he just he just committed like every time it was like you know rick rick was on stage and he was he was walter <laughs> he was walter doing the thing man that was that was awesome so i'm gonna blow your mind a little bit arian and rick because uh i have something you might appreciate that's tied to this episode do you remember seeing this artwork at all when i showed it to you on instagram back in 2019 this was when i, I first connected with both of you guys over instagram when i was making art back then it's a beautiful wow. piece thank you yeah it, it wow. depicts that oil painting that uh rick and chris <laughs> and arian were just talking about and how you know it just looked totally messed up but walter had no clue who like messed it up when i think it was mcbroom or Someone else yeah. who just happened to be walking by it. McBroom. Yeah. McBroom. Yeah. So I wanted to share that that memory because uh, you know apparently we knew each I... other years ago briefly. Well, we're gonna move move up the countdown a little bit, and uh, I'll I'll start with my number four and try to go through this as quick as I can. My my fourth pick is the things change episode. Uh, oh, I really nice. liked how season one again was those vignettes. Season two they stretched those vignettes out a little longer. And by season three, it was pretty much straight sitcom format. And um, there was a cast change at that point. For those of you listeners who do, who aren't aware of that, uh, that that's when they, uh, Alex was no longer a part of the episode. I'm sorry, not Alex, but um, uh, Tara was no longer part mm -hmm. of the episode and Merv was no longer part of the episodes. And that's when they brought in uh, Aaron and Grant and Manny. And uh, and I had just spoken with uh, Arian before we had started this episode. Uh, up until this point, I didn't really have a favorite character of the show. Uh, they, I had things about each of the characters I liked. They had little moments that I I liked, but there wasn't one character as a person that really stood out to me as one that I I just latched onto until Aaron's character came in, and uh, I just latched onto her personality with with that rough and tough exterior but a heart of gold inside that she didn't want others to see for a while and until shortly after uh, shortly after the episode when you got to see her do more philanthropic things but i really liked that aspect and i liked seeing alex beginning to fawn over grant and uh and then grant have that brother sister uh balling her squirt and she didn't really like that and and saying how she is the grant expert and alex being completely clueless uh, <laughs> i just really think they started to really delve into character interactions a lot more in this very first uh episode for the season as opposed to what it was before because before it was just interactions but it's for a punchline of a joke 
This one's actually how do these characters interact in this new environment? And I really, really like that aspect. Uh, I think the season, as it, which may be taboo to say, because I did say the first two seasons is very unique among the Nickelodeon sitcoms. I still really preferred the sitcom format for seasons three and four, but I really enjoyed things change. Uh, and I think yeah. they really handled the change of the cast very, very well. Did you notice in season, uh, the last season, how things got pretty dramatic and yes and yes. kind of tapered they actually hired the um the director of 15 to come over and direct a couple of episodes ah. and when he came over uh besides his personality completely like anchoring and drowning the ship if you will <laughs> um it, it, everything got really like serious and we were well, about he came, to hit yeah. on serious topics. Like I, mm -hmm. I thought Aaron was going to get pregnant or something. I don't even know. But I'm glad that you said that you like things change. And uh, I, I love the way you feel about Aaron, uh, her character. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say uh, Mortis the safety tortoise. <laughs> Mortis the safety tortoise. We did mention him briefly before. <laughs> but uh, Robin, uh, Robin, who is over on uh, 15. And when we had an uh, episode with both her and Chris, uh, both of them were talking about how the sets were very, very different because Chris's was well, all of yours was very laid back and fun and goofing, and, and you all were just talking earlier about oh the the, the poor Wranglers. Whereas over on fifteen, <laughs> they weren't allowed to do any of that, and and yeah. Chris was surprised at the fact that they they did everything in one take. It was all one shot, and they were done. They they wouldn't allow for any other time. So I, when you had said the director for fifteen came over, I was thinking, oh man, I bet he did not enjoy. No, it, the it, complete... it was it was it was a uh, agreed between all of us. We did not like. It was ass. It, it, it was ass. <laughs> Pardon me. You said ass. It was difficult, and it was a, such a dramatic change. And you know, all of a sudden, we're holding for uh, you know five seconds, and you're like, "For what?" Like, yeah, oh, he, he I want to feel he, this emotion. You're like, "This is welcome to restroom, bro." What, what are you talking <laughs> we about? We don't emotion? do emotion. We do more than <laughs> safety tortoise. Right, <laughs> Arian, your your number four was actually uh, one that we had already addressed with uh, the people versus Walter. Is there anything else you want to address about that? Or did you already talk about everything you wanted to talk about? The People versus Walter um, is personally really cool for me because for some reason, and I can't explain why, maybe it was shot off school season, but my sister and two of my very best friends got to be um, extras that day. Or oh, cool. we they were, were in the jury. And they, yes, and they were in the jury. And so it's still to this day is something that we talk about as a fond memory from when we were young, because my sister and my very best friend since I was in fourth grade, and then another really good friend of ours who subsequently is literally the creative director at SAC Theater, where Loon Brady, John Mangum, and countless others got their start anyway. <laughs> That's another episode. You know, she was in the original um, 24 of the uh, cast members that didn't get picked for the pilot. Really? What? That's how I know her, is from pilot auditions. Oh my gosh. So we went to, so this girl that we're talking about is someone that went to Dr. Phillip. She was like best friends with my sister. And then we all became really close. And then because 
I was really close with them, you know, friends over whatever, all these guys. So we all just like, now, and it was like, I, come to me, you know? I think, I think honestly, I might know her from um, Fish Eating Creek, which was summer stock theater that we did together uh, the year prior to the pilot. It's just incredible. That whole Orlando pond. So just never, me never mention her name. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> She's just her. I'm thinking about Fontano. That's right. I don't okay, yes. Yeah, Emily Fontana. She is one of the most talented. She might be the most talented voice I've, I've ever heard in person. Like, I, Josh Groban, Celine Dion, and then my friend Emily. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, she's that. Um, and she's so funny. But anyway, I loved that episode because my people got to be there. And again, it was like launch. I didn't really get it. I didn't understand the big picture. I didn't understand why we were like doing this. And then I had to read the whole thing front to back. I was someone who was just very meticulous of everything. So I need, I wanted input from everyone. And I was like, why am I being a judge? It's just Aaron. <laughs> I always, all these guys kept me, kept me back. <laughs> but no, that was such a great episode. And yeah, it's the funniest moment from the entire show, in my opinion, is from that episode. Love it. I love the janitor antics too. That really got me as well. And that's why I put it in my honorable mentions because I didn't know where to put it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very rewatchable. All right. Well, Brett, what is your number four? My number four is mind games from season one. And this one really stood oh. out to me because a, I was able to watch it on the splat in crystal clear vision. So I remembered it better Ooh. than the VHS tapes. And, uh, B I really love, um, the cheerleading bit at the end with coach Rochelle and uh, I think Alex and Tara are like trying to come up with a really witty peppy type of cheerleading thing. I just remember like yes. Tara doing a split and being like, Oh, and then it just cuts the credits. <laughs> it's just <laughs> that, that had me rolling on the floor when I saw that just the kind of candidness that you'd expect from the show. Um, you know, I, I like the psychology bit at the beginning with uh, Merv pretending to be like Sigmund Freud for Mr. Lippmann, and he's telling him his problems, mm -hmm. and he clearly couldn't tell it was Merv, even though he's just wearing like one of those fake costumes. <laughs> um, I, I really like. Oh, oh, you're going to appreciate this, Rick, because my favorite scene of this episode is when Merv does like the whole hypnotizing thing to kind of attract girls to him, and instead it works on Walter. And he, and Walter just <laughs> comes up to him multiple times. He's like, "You are the sexiest, most loveliest character ever. I need to, <laughs> I need to have you, Merv, or something to that extent." <laughs> that, that really got me. So a lot of great jokes in this one. That's why it's my number four. Brock, what is your number four? So I got to piggyback off of your number four, which was things change, because that's actually, that's spoiler alert, that's my number one. Ooh, because okay. it, I feel like it was a new beginning and you kind of like leaned into that a little. Mm -hmm. um, anything was possible. There was, you know, you have these new, these new characters and the reinvention of the current characters. And, you know, it sounded like, it, it's really interesting because you could tell there's kind of two, two classes of, of, freshman if you will we got the ogs rick and chris and then we got the newbies you know um, um me and arian and um I, it's it's very interesting because we've obviously we're all friends we've talked a lot and uh but i i'm getting to hear some of the like their impressions of you know what like seasons three and four and it's just it's really interesting so thank you for the conversation um number four for me is rainy day women 
And that is for the simple fact that I believe it's the first time I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But that Walter actually has a love interest. And oh we've, my gosh, I remember we've talked about Walter as the um, Chris called him the comedic anchor. But I have always thought of Walter's character as the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. True. So yeah, whatever's happening, like is he's the center of like the 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 real emotion of the show and um and so for him to have a love interest that was really that was really cool and i think it was a it was a a a new a new phase even kind of late in season i think that was season four um uh yeah it was season four near the end right rainy day women i've got it as episode four but my my nomenclature might be wrong um so i thought that was really cool and then Lipman Lipman had love interests i mean like probably like several times per season but he yeah. also had he had one in in that episode too and and that was more of like a, a comedic spin on that um, Lippin was kind of a player, though. You're right. He did have several love interests. He was, he was always trying to impress some lady. So, <laughs> um, and to no avail, right? Like to no avail. Be, yeah, that's true. A lot like Kevin that way. <laughs> Sometimes uh-huh. he'd even have competition too, because I think the history teacher Manhart is his name. Oh, yep, Manhart. Yeah, and I think one of your picks, Arian. So I, I really like that he had a rival to kind of really make him step up his game and try some really crazy schemes, or you know, have a little battle to see who can get farther with their advances. Going to Chris, what was your number four pick? Oh wow, um, actually, yeah, uh, it's kind of obscure. Maybe there was um. Uh, I, I think it was episode six in uh, the first season, and uh, I believe it's called Language. Um, Language, okay. Yeah, I think it's called Language. Oh, yeah, your little uh, your little parody commercial bits. No, 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 that was uh, no, that wasn't this it. Is, no, this is the uh, the one. Uh, the Language was the one where uh, it was the Mister History, and it was really just for this one part. There's a, a segment of Mister History where we go back to like the the 30s, 40s, and we're like yes. bubblegum gangsters. Uh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That was uh, that was definitely my number four, and again, purely because like I, I don't think I uh. Well, I guess, okay, so maybe a little bit yeah, content-wise the because they did sort of work in some, like, 40s gangster speak that was kind mm-hmm. of fun. I did my I did my absolute best to give forth, like, you know, my truest interpretation of a Bugs Bunny gangster. It was great. Yeah, everything was like this, eh? Like, everything was always, you know, and, you know, we just had, like, these cool, like, pinstripe, like, zoot suit hats, and I was just very enamored of the wardrobe. Um, and, you know, so that was that was my number four because I just had, had a great time mm-hmm. playing dress up with that. And you know, I'm pretty. I don't. I don't remember us having. I don't think we had actual guns. I think they had us walking around with like violin cases. Yeah, right? cases. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. We were just walking around toting violin cases. What am I missing out on? Did did uh, you task everyone to do a top five episodes? Yeah, or, yeah. Everyone okay. was picked picked five episodes. So uh, you you Sorry. you had said that uh, people versus Walter. What's another one that you really oh. remember? I guess number two would be Othello the Sophomore. It was ah. a really, really fun. That's popped up on everybody's list. <laughs> Has it? Yeah, I mean, it was fun to do. And I mean, it made the rap tape really heavy, which was really fun. That's our favorite part of kind of mm-hmm. each season is to take a look back at everybody's flubs and, and, uh, and mishaps. That's hilarious. You know what? Okay, so actually, while we're talking about Othello, there was one quick moment in Othello that I, that I remember shooting. 
um, really well. Uh, there was a line that I that I had uh, on on stage like during the play. I think it was "Peace and be still." I think that's what it was. And was I, it you peace know, or pace? It was it was pace, <laughs> pace, pace, and be still. Be. I think it was something be. like that. Some bloody passion shakes your very frame. Peace and be still. And I did it. I, I, I did the line, and it was, you know, we're shooting, so the entire soundstage is quiet. And then through somebody's headphones, I could hear Bob Mittenthal laughing. All you could hear was, ha, 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 ha. And <laughs> so, so we had to stop. We had to cut the take and do it again. But it was just, that was just one of my favorite moments. I was like, yes, I cracked up Bob. That was always like a good thing. You know, when you when you could crack up Bob or oh, crack up oh, him, yeah. you did something. You always felt like a little extra special. You know what I mean? It was like, Absolutely. yeah, I nailed your line, buddy. That's what you wanted, you know? <laughs> and I will say that uh, this episode was one of my honorable mentions. And the reason it was my honorable mention is because I do a lot of community theater. And in the 90s, there was a lot of episodes of various shows that did the theater it was the theater episode. They do some kind of a play. And most of them were okay. Uh, but this one, I felt really uh was a good example of what it's like to be in theater it, it got a little it, it it took the welcome freshman route by the end and went yeah. really <laughs> over the top and silly but throughout most of it uh from auditions all the way through the understudies and to work with uh an actor who doesn't want to learn their lines and someone who is very much about wanting to learn their lines it's it really did a good job of encapsulating what it's like to be in community theater. And I really, really enjoy that aspect of it. Nice. My number three is the communication episode from season two. And uh, it was actually something that we were just talking about in our intro with uh, how we we don't understand the 2020 lingo anymore, uh, because I really liked the aspect of this episode of Mr. Lippman going around with a, a dictionary that was explaining all of the lingo that the uh, freshmen were using, and he was completely misinterpreting. I mean, he had the words correct and what it meant, but was yeah. completely getting the wrong message. Do you and... think we? Do you think we invented the urban dictionary? <laughs> I think we did. I, I think don't know. That may be the first time I've ever known of one. Do you think that Tim and Bob's brainchild was really just the urban dictionary? The urban dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they know that. <laughs> I, I wonder if they do. Uh, Arian, what was your number three? So my number three is the episode called Safety Last. And I have to admit, I did not remember this episode by name at all. At all. <laughs> That's I don't that. that I didn't remember my name until I started reviewing them. But when I picked on this one, it was season, it's from season four, which on... Um, there's a there's a website dailymotion.com where it contains so many episodes and it lists everything from season four as in season three, but that's not the case. So it was a season four episode called Safety Last, and it's when Littman has some inspector coming in to make sure the school is all up code. And that actor, um, I looked at it today and I was like, uh, he worked with my mother as an actor at MGM Studios when it was called MGM Studios, but now it's oh, wow. Studios. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's that guy. Like, I knew him when I was growing up. And, and it made me remember that there were so many local actors that were 
you know, well-employed, doing stuff all over the place on TV shows, on commercials, on at Universal, at Disney. And they would walk onto our soundstage. They would be a guest that week. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're all so talented. And I'm like, I know these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember uh, Mike Speller, Doug Trulson, and Christian Trulson all worked at the Adventures Club at Pleasure Island. Yes. Yes. I mean, they all, and then when I got older and I was, you know, I moved on from the show and I was like, okay, I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to do this. I started realizing that this is just a community of people that just work the gigs. And it's when I I reviewed that episode, I realized that I, I had no idea what it was called, but that is one of the greatest episodes because not for comic reasons, like it's not hilariously funny, but all of us are in it. We all have something to say. There's a subplot going on for each of us. And there's like all these guest stars that were people I knew. And I just, I was like, oh my gosh, this was such a great loft. It was a loft episode for me. And I wish I'd written notes because I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why I liked it so much. But when I watched it again, I was like, man, that's a great episode. There was just a lot going on with each of us. I can't believe you don't have notes. I know. <laughs> that is really strange. Oh, you you have a notebook. Okay, <laughs> things are normal. You're doing it wrong, Aaron. Are, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Brett, what is your number three? So my number three is Express Yourself, another season one episode. Um, I like this one a lot because it's it it's near and dear for like the art theming and finding different ways to express yourself for like music and and language and stuff like that. I really like the opening bit with. Um, Alex like smashing Walter's painting right through him. And he said, well, I was expressing myself and it made her made uh, her look like this weird, like alien with like brain scribbles. And like, you know, it's just like a very elementary school looking depiction of her when they're in art class trying to do like figure drawing and, you know, make it all painterly and realistic. So uh, I really enjoyed that bit because it took me back to a younger part of my artistic career growing up. Um, <laughs> I, I also like the the school newspaper printing just because it's not often you actually get to see that process because nowadays it's just like type on a computer. But I have an appreciation for like the, the way things used to be when they're in their more primitive forms. And school newspapers were definitely like a hot topic that were in many popular um, Nickelodeon shows at the time, like even several Doug episodes or, you know, I'm trying to think of something else off the top of my head that would have it. But it was definitely more prominent in the early 90s. So that's just like a historical artifact that I appreciate. And then, of course, I can't I can't forget the the Mervin the Mystery Beats concert at the end, where you know Merv, Walter, Tara, Alex were all singing uh, that really catchy Mystery Meat song, and he has that really ridiculous like golden uh, hair metal wig. And then by the end, he gets uh, tackled by the crowd, and he's just yep. left with a bunch of like light blue shorts that say his name all over and Mr. Littman is asking like, what are you doing on stage? It definitely left an impression on me. It was just a very wacky, fun episode. Overall. I, I just recently said they found uh, a cassette tape. It's like multi-vibrant, super 90s colored cassette tape. Mm-hmm. And it was what they gave us 
we didn't even know it, but uh, you know, David was recording Mystery Meets the album in you know in days that we weren't with him, and he's all doing voiceovers or whatever. And um, we get this tape, Chris and I, and I, I, I can't remember who else was uh, in part in the band. Yeah, that's true. But, who was it? Me, you, but, Dave, and uh, we had the we had we had to play those tapes and learn the lyrics so that we could be backup vocalists. Uh, yeah. for that and i found the tape i have the tape wow pretty, pretty yeah. crazy i remember that's I remember another episode if you pay close attention i'm um they gave me a bass guitar and i play it as if it's a lead oh. <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> i had no idea I... what to Did do with know. that so no no slapper no slapper <laughs> slapper the bass nope. yeah so uh so yeah there, there's a good indicator of how i was on the opposite end of the preparation spectrum from <laughs> from arian where i was like oh yeah it's a guitar this is what you're supposed to do with that like That's fully funny. did not do my homework on that one so Brock, what is your number three? Oh, uh, well, so yeah, I have to also share a couple of things because things come to me when you're talking about other episodes. Sure. And, and I, I don't want to interrupt people, but um, the the people versus Walter going way back. Um, it strikes me when I see the imagery and the videos from that, how young Arian was like in her like in her judge robes. Right. She looks like such a young child. And, and I think I don't know what it was about the that that particular wardrobe that was just like she is just a tiny human being. It was too big for me. I'm like <laughs> that's what it was. She, yeah. She's like Judge Judy Jr. in the making. <laughs> totally, totally. Judge Judy Light. <laughs> Before Amanda Bynes did it in the Amanda Show, yeah, Arian did it first, and Arian yeah. was thank and, you, and Arian was better at it. Fight me. Yep. <laughs> What kind of monster are you? But hey, but hey, but hey, but look, we can butt hey all day, but you're still gonna lose. Please call your first witness. I'd like to call to the stand, Mr. Elliot Lippman. My my number three is reaching for the stars. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but um the primary one is that I think is that right? Well, I, I can blow your mind on my number five too, but we'll talk later. Um, so they, I feel like, I, and Reaching for the Stars, I have it season four, episode two. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. And um, I feel like I feel like the directors and the writers start, started to listen to us when we were talking like off the set and and just observe us. Not, not off the set, but on set and just not on, on you know, in front of the cameras. And um, we, at least like Chris and I and, and Rick to a large extent, really shared a love of hip hop. And so I think they started to write things in that we might line <laughs> up a little bit about. Yep. Oh, and I remember. about the wardrobe, dude. <laughs> the freaking cross colors. If you watch this stuff, talk about, you talk about cultural appropriation. Like, was this the age of vanilla ice, dude? <laughs> And the freaking beanie hat and the glasses. Yeah. Was it? Wait, okay. We, we, who were we? Special K and who else? Yeah. Force what G. What was your name? Force G. Force G. And Special, G. K. <laughs> and Special K. And we were, we were, no, we, uh, what was our, tone what deaf. was the, Tone deaf. Tone deaf. We were tone deaf. 
When I step to the mic, I'll be going for broke. Well, yo, the competition in my way is a big joke. Stunning, the style will last a mile. No delay, G and K are at the top of the pile. <laughs> Check my rhyme flow and let me hear you say hey when all the ladies in the house go up to press the So grab your telephone and dial the seven digits. So there's a part in that episode that actually ended up on the rap tape, the season four rap tape, where Walter is like sitting back by the <laughs> deck and playing the music and he's doing this 90s thing, right? And he knocks a glass, a, a drink over into the like playback <laughs> mechanism and it like lights up and gets all smoky and like it's like it shuts off while we're on stage so our track turns off and we're just like we're in the middle of our song and it like, turns off and we just like put our put our mics down and just kind of like creep away seven it's, it's like, it it's, it's like what Chris was saying about what was what we were experiencing as as actors and people while the episodes were being recorded. That's that's how I've kind of that's what's created my my list mm -hmm. is just experiencing sure. that with all of them. Sure. Chris, what is your number three? You know, what, and I can't remember the name of it now, but it's the Shanice episode. Rhymes with it rhymes with liar. Yeah, yeah, I was um, I was just, I was just so enamored of Shanice, and I was just so blown away that we got somebody of her stature, like because we were like the little, the little show that could, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was just a really <laughs> huge deal for us to have somebody like as, you know, as prominent as she was at the time. Yeah. And I was also already like a fan of hers, like like already, like genuinely like a fan of hers, um, and crushing again because I spent most <laughs> of that time crushing somebody. So, <laughs> and so I was just, you know, it was also one of the, one of the, the stories, I think, um, where we got to see a little bit more of Kevin's dimensionality in the, yes. in the whole, because he is sort of up to his old antics in a way, and just in terms of trying to get closer to Shanice and just be like, you know, a, a part of that. But then you also did get to see a little bit more depth from him that you normally don't get to see. And I was sort of happy to sort of be a part of that. And also... You know, I had I had scenes with Shanice, which was just that killed me. I was like, "What? I'm gonna have yeah. a scene with Shanice? What? What?" Like, I, I swore, like there was a good 15, 20 minutes where you couldn't have told me we weren't gonna get married. I was sure of it. Turns out it didn't go that way, and it's fine. I'm okay with it, ish. But <laughs> she's missed out. That, yeah. yeah, she's missed out definitely. All right, Rick. What is uh? What's another? One that you remember the most. Coming in at my number three is the Libdramatist strain. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I'm going up and you guys are going down, but that's well, cool, right? That's is okay. That cool? Yeah, that's all, all right. right. We'll figure no it out. worries. You're going to figure it out in post? That's fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. I love post. We'll do cutaways. It's my favorite. <laughs> <stick>. <laughs> um, yeah, Libdramatist strain. It got me into uh, a little bit of book reading and uh, definitely science fiction. Yeah, that one's based off of the Michael Crichton book that was yeah, Andromeda. Think, yeah. yeah, in the 70s. Andromeda. And there's like a two movie. No, there was a movie adaptation a couple of years later and then a mm -hmm. reboot because I did research for this. This was yeah. actually my number two. I'm getting ahead yeah. of myself. Wow. And I really that's fine. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and this this probably speaks to you know the writing team and the things they like, you know, or the things that they uh, enjoyed or or thought were hot. Grew and definitely, si science fiction was like some of their favorite cup of teas, you know, like that's what they like. Um, but I tried to read the book uh, unsuccessfully um, and realized there was a movie and thought, oh great. And then I was like, why did I watch that? I don't understand. Why did I watch I didn't, it? I, I was too young <laughs> to understand any of it. But it did. It, it got me into uh, into science fiction in general, uh, which I I have a, a fond admiration of still. Well, at least you understood the references. Like I had to like grow up, get married, and have children that watched before I ever understood any of these references. Michael Crichton. That's a really interesting name. But back in the day, I was just so, like, dumb. But everyone thought I was so smart and so prepared, and I'm like, oh, no, I am totally faking it, and none of you get that. <laughs> well, thank God you were talented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I might be getting ahead of myself, but this is actually the only episode I remember from my childhood. I was five years old when I first watched this. I'm like, wait a minute, what's that show where all the kids' what? lips turn purple from the frozen yogurt? Because that was on the very first VHS tape I ever recorded in my grandma's bedroom. Uh, back in 1993. Oh, wow. That's so sweet. I That's, love that. That is awesome. Yeah. Huge. Because of that episode, I also got into E.T. because the scene at the end reminded me of Elliot conversing with E.T. in the government facility, too. Yep. So it was just like a nostalgia bomb of wow. massive net neural connections in my head when I saw this. What? Wow, wow. That's, that's awesome. awesome. How cool. See, well, I just think and, it's really cool to have been a part COVID of COVID too. Way, like, yeah. 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 You know? Big yeah, time. it's different now. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rick, we just showed them. So you guys, we literally have original, no one else will ever have them, Polaroid of dressing room Work oh, yeah, that's right. With our right. lips, and I literally, ah. I literally, yeah. Polaroids. I don't have them any other way. I've texted them to them, you know. But right. I have Polaroids of lip drops. I literally do. Amazing. Yeah. Purple lips. Well, um, uh, McGurkin fry. Moving on with uh, my number two pick, uh, I have chosen the episode Conformity from season two and i really like how they treated mr Lippman in this episode I, I i seem to like episodes where they treat mr Lippman in a different way uh because this was the first time when he was really taken off his high horse and he had to be part of the group of teenagers uh and <laughs> but the first time he walks outside into the hallway and sees how they dress and he has to dress as them he sees them as clowns and so he starts dressing as clowns and then ends up going into a carnival and uh i and, and got pied in the face but uh, i really the rest of the episode was pretty much uh, was, was fine but i really liked seeing mr Lippman have to become that which he despises so much. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun, a really, really fun aspect, which also is very eye-opening for a lot of people of the, uh, the the old adage of you don't know a person until you walk a mile in their shoes type thing. And that yep. was absolutely that was very much what Mr. Lippman had to go through, albeit very comedically, but that was something that kids and teenagers need to be reminded of. Well, people need to be reminded of, but generally, yes. yeah. 
Yeah, good point. Well said. Well said. Uh, Arian, what is your number two? Francis Walter is my number two. Okay. But we that a lot. Okay. Well, then we'll we'll move on to Brett. What is your number two? Moving on. We already talked about it a little bit and had a mind blowing moment, but it is the lip dramatist strain from season three because of nice. that deep, deep, deep memory for me, and I still love it. And I'm glad that we get to talk about more at length because we only scratched the surface with it in episode 29 um, of our podcast back when we interviewed Kat Mango for a Legends episode review we did because she was a fan of Welcome Freshman too. So we had like a mini little moment there of reminiscing. That was that was a cool moment. Uh, Catherine Mangan, uh, she was one of the contestants on Legends of the Hidden Temple, and she was also one of the supporting characters for Keenan and Kel. She started following me on Instagram. And she told me that when she saw I was sharing things about Welcome Freshman, she went back to her childhood because she used to watch Welcome Freshman with her father. And that was wow. a really cool moment. And she had shared with us one of her episodes that she remembered the most was the Andromeda, the, the lip, lip Dromeda strain. So that was interesting. That was... So the biggest thing um, was that I noticed when I looked at your page, the first thing that jumped out was Welcome Freshman because um, so my dad was in healthcare development, which meant like I moved around kind of like an army brat, but we lived in Pennsylvania before we lived in Orlando. And like Orlando just felt like, oh my God, that's Hollywood. Like that's where the magic happens. And um, it just felt like this, you know, I don't know, dream place. And my dad and I had shows. We watched Full House and then we watched Welcome Freshman every Sunday. And um, I think like most of the jokes I didn't even get because I was probably like nine or so at the time. But I'm like, this is hilarious. Oh my God, they're so amazing. Those, these, these cool older kids. One of the episodes I remember most fondly is like the one where everyone's lips turned purple due to the frozen yogurt machine that they had in the episode. Yes, um, it, I always make fun of myself for having the worst memories, short and long term. But like when someone mentions, it's like a sense that that'll bring you back. Mm. Like you mentioned something like that, like yeah, that's so happy. Uh, she played Janet for anyone who is fans of Kim okay. Kill. Uh, six degrees of Elliot Littman. Yeah, <laughs> six degrees of Elliot. Right, we're all connected. It's a thing, man. Kevin Bacon's uh, got nothing on him. <laughs> <laughs> Brock, what is your number two? Oh, my number two is Year's End. Ooh, so nice similar to what Chris said earlier, the 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 ones that brought everybody together, I think were my favorite episodes that we could actually all be in a scene together. Yeah. And and frankly, I, I don't remember the whole plot line of that show, but I know it ends in a camp. And this is the last the last scene of the last episode is that everybody's camping there's like a field trip we were on a golf course wasn't it a golf course yeah i think right but it was some well, it was out in the woods well, we were we were camping close to a golf course i think okay all right. close okay. to a golf course okay. okay so there you go and and kevin is working at a pizza place and he shows up with a bunch of pizza he's like somebody order some pies like he puts <laughs> on his best like brooklyn you know pizza thing which he grew up in brooklyn which is fitting Somebody here order some pies? And then it's it's like that was my number. That's why my number one and number two were like the alpha and the omega because it was the first episode of season three and the last episode of season four. And it just kind of brings it around. So yeah, yeah. Those the year's end is actually one of my top two too. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that's it. That's 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 my thing. Like the 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 end of an era. You know, like that will echo through time. 
for me deeply. Um, but clearly, you know, there's, there's still, there's still love out there, which we all appreciate so much. That yeah, ironically yeah, is my, my least favorite episode. Really? Really? Oh. really? Why is that? It's, it's not ironic, Rick, because it's the power struggle. Yeah, no, I mean, how else should I feel? You feel one way. Because it was the end. Yeah. yeah. That shit hurt. Especially yeah. after getting so close with everyone and building those relationships on and off camera. It's oh hard yeah, to it was say goodbye. It was the worst. Same for you, Arian. Yeah. So what's so interesting in retrospect, because I don't think I ever would have chosen that episode as a favorite, although in hindsight, of course, like sentimentally, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Similarly to what Rick was saying, I hardly remember it. It was like a blur. Mm -hmm. I I have to say this. It's almost like you're in high school and it's your last day or it's your last thing or it's your last day on the team or whatever it means to you i don't know the last day in a play or and last day on a job that you didn't really have that long that you only wanted because your friends worked there whatever or it was the last day that you knew you were going to see that guy you know what i mean and he was and he was older than you and it was just like oh wow like it was every single moment that a young person and, a, and when I say young I mean like not 16 mm -hmm. you know what I mean like puppy love young where everything hurts everything and for me I was 15 and so it was actually happening. It wasn't just, oh, let me reenact this as someone who's experiencing their last day on a so and so because I feel I didn't oh. know how that was supposed to feel. I didn't know. Didn't didn't guys, I before, I'm about to before, die. Oh, you about to you, die? You gotta go, Chris. Well, no, no, I don't have to go, but my phone's about to die and I'm not home, so I'm gonna try and connect with you guys again after I get home so I can plug in because like an idiot, I don't have my power cord. Okay. Thank you. Didn't, didn't they, didn't they tell us while we were shooting that episode that we were canceled or like, like right before we had to shoot that episode or something. Yes. And, and they, yes. yeah, it, it, that's what made it really hard to, to enjoy uh, mm -hmm. doing it. You knew it was over. You knew it. Exactly. Rick, like we were working. So it was okay. We already talked about this before it's in this, in this show where it was like be prepared do what you got to do just be ready even though you don't really know what's going on that's what i was telling myself but also i was very aware all of a sudden that this was it we're not, the end. we are not doing this again this is our last episode and so you know we're not picking this back up guys sorry there are no yeah. white blue pink yellow manila whatever pages for season and it was like, wait, what? Those are the different le levels of the script. So you would have your from from draft to final, you would have the the different sides. Just like, hey, you know, I guess this is what we're doing, but still, you show up ready to be like, I'm present. I am here. I am totally present. I don't care what's going on at home. I don't even care what's happening at craft service table ten minutes ago. I'm gonna do this scene right now, like it's everything to me but 
it was everything to me. Mm -hmm. The conversation that I had at craft service did matter. And the conversation that I had in my dressing room or in the hallway or in the elevator or in the car on the way or last night while we were rehearsing, whatever, it did matter. It was the last. So it was like this weird mixture of you're working, but it's real. It, yeah, it can was I, a- Can I, can I shorten that? It please. Sucked. It sucked. <laughs> I just want to watch it. I don't remember it at all. And now I want to watch it because yeah. I have, I, I don't, and I don't have the script. So it's like one of those blackouts where you're just like, and scene. Right. So in a lot of ways, what you see, you heard me mention the power struggle. And a lot of ways we are like brothers and sisters. Arian is like my sister. Rick is absolutely my brother. And the, uh, you know, we Rick and I have always had this kind of tug of war. He'll have an idea. I'll have an idea. We call it the power struggle. But, um, but uh, you know, kind of to end that, um, th th my number two choice on, on a lighter note, at the end of that episode, I got like a pie or something. Somebody gave me a, a, a tin, pie tin full of whipped cream. And I took off all my clothes and I had boxer shorts on. And Chris joined me in this. You did not, because you were a good I was a good fat kid. What did you want me to do? Yeah. Get naked. Gary, you know, a couple of course did not. Run around. I'm not doing it. But we, we ran, um, Chris and I ran on to set. And I I think we put pie on Bob Mintenthal. Yeah. We smashed pie all over him. And Rick, at the end, you'll see Rick. And I think it's the very end. And then it's like credits of the of the rap tape. Rick goes, you guys are naked. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's just, it was, it was, it was amazing. And it was heartbreaking at the same time. All of those things at the exact same time. Well, for you uh, Slimesters who are listening, uh, Chris has lost connection with us. Hopefully he'll be able to join back with us before the end of the episode. So we're going to start to wrap things up. Uh, Rick, what is another episode that, means something to you uh the courtship of walter's father mm, i like that one a lot yeah i like that one. thank you thank you Ari. thank you <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh it, it just yeah walter's dad was just like a piece of work it was very interesting uh one of a kinder and uh they gave him a shot and uh we took center stage i think and it was you know we did a lot um most of the episode, I think, it took place in either Walter's house or uh, is that the one? I'm not sure if I'm mixing my episodes, but where uh, I have to babysit Timmy or something and at the same time. Toby. I can't remember. Toby, thank you. Gosh, you're so much better than me at this, Brett. Um, <laughs> I'm superhuman. Yeah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the same episode or not, but you know, time spent in the Patterson house was always qual quality time for me. Yeah, definitely felt well lived in. And I, I like the the like warm yeah. humbleness of his father too, whether he was like in school or at home with you. It just, it, it really cemented your character as someone who's very relatable right. as like a middle-class American just going mm -hmm. through a, a crazy right. high school dealing with all this stuff. I always felt sorry for Walter for having a dad who was like, hey, yeah. And like, one, you never knew if he was looking at you or not. Like even like in person, off camera, 
this gentleman never really like looked you in the face. He talked mm. to you, and you're like, is he talking to me? <laughs> he had a real a real way about him. He was a super cool guy uh, to to be around. Very fun. I don't mm. know, cool. He was very fun. Uh, but yeah, then uh, just five seconds to say our prop department was amazing. <laughs> amazing. Talk about Amen. Uh, you know sets that felt well lived in. Uh, everything that we had there that was made by them was mm-hmm. incredible. May I piggyback on what he just said? Because honestly, one of the things that I took from the show, and I know these guys have already heard it, is <laughs> it's kind of silly because it has nothing to do with like the show itself. But after we cut on a scene and we were just breaking for a minute, I we I knew that we were going to reset that stage and it was no longer a hot set. Like I already knew that because I was listening and it was season one and I was just trying really hard to be like a really good student. And so I picked up all the props off the table and I walked them back to this like dark place where I never walked before and no one else ever walked there. And I put them where they did belong, I'm pretty sure, right? But all of a sudden, this dude came up to me, and that's who they were to me. Just random adults that Rick was, like, somehow friends with. Don't know why. But Rick was friends with everybody. Buddies. I'm a production guy. I like. That's just like a random. Production. Now I see that I was just like this random, annoying, like, teenage young person who was just like annoying to probably everybody and i'm like i put all this stuff away and some dude came up to me i still don't know who it was and they were like hey what are you doing i'm like i'm just hoping and they're like stay in your lane i've never heard that before ever but let me tell you something to this day as someone who literally runs campaigns and does marketing and graphic design, <laughs> now I get it. Now I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned was to respect others and appreciate what they do. And of course, always be like, hey, I'm here. Like, I want to learn. I I was like the naive, stupid, like, oh, I, but I wasn't trying to be. I just literally was. And it was just like, that was so helpful to me forever. I still just tell people to stay in their lane, you know, to remind myself. I have to remind myself because I want to be helpful. You know, I want to be like straight A student person. No, no, no. And that's valuable to me. And that was that episode. <laughs> I used to assume everybody wanted to be in front of the camera until I had conversations with people and they were like, never do I want to be over there. <laughs> I love what I do right here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for our commercial break and then we'll come right back and do our top number ones and hopefully have some time for some pretty cool collection stuff that the, our cast has. So just uh, we'll be right back. It's, it's a free period. I have to go get snacks from the cafeteria. <laughs> Welcome Freshman will return in a moment. Wondering when you can see an all-new adventure of the Tomorrow People? Operation Monsoon, right boy? Tonight at 6, 5 Central, only on me. Get your cameras out because things are about to get 
a little strange. We are visiting O-Town with special guest Russ Montague for an episode review of this classic Rocco's Modern Life episode, Camera Shy. You will only find this episode available on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack to gain access to this episode along with our backlog of episodes. While you're here, please hit the like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. If you are listening to us on a podcast app, please leave us a review. We truly want to make entertaining you and reliving our childhood memories as a full-time job. The best way you can help us to achieve that is by these very few steps. As always, thank you for your support, and we will see you at the film festival. You're watching Nickelodeon, and now back to Welcome Freshman. Classes in session, and uh, my my yep. number one pick, uh, because I had just meant, made a mention earlier about how I'm a huge 007 fan, uh, my number one pick is To Walter's Dad with Love, which uh, is from Russia with Love, but uh, also... And Brett knows this, and anyone who's listened for a long time, uh, that father-centered episodes really mean a lot to me, uh, especially in today's society, how dads are often looked down upon. And um, Walter's dad is not, well, like Rick had just said, he's not the best father in the world. But this episode was really the first and only time we really see Walter's dad try to be a genuine good person uh he got a job to go teach uh driver's ed and then gets thrown into having to teach uh history which he's not really good at but he's gonna do it uh to the best of his ability and then also gives genuine good advice he stands up for walter at one point and uh although walter didn't really appreciate that but he still did and then gave genuine good advice for Aaron's character about how even though people would still pick on him, it doesn't matter whenever you are content and happy with who you are. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. I know how it feels. I used to have a nickname myself, Cheeks. Because I had a bit of a weight problem back then. Horizontally challenged, if you know what I mean. So what'd you do about it? Got a lot of fat lips and bloody noses. Until I discovered bowling. Bowling. Yeah. See, people can call you names all they want, but if you got self-respect, it doesn't matter. That's what bowling did for me. Started going to lanes when I was about your age. Wasn't long, I was bowling 160, 165. Was even winning a few tournaments. And people stopped calling you cheap. Well, by that time, they were calling me Bubba. But the point is, I didn't care. I had my bowling trophies, and I had my self-respect. And I can't even begin to tell you how long it was before I finally learned that lesson. And and uh, and I still think that's something that people, uh, all people, still need a good message for. And of all people for it to come from, probably one of the most least likely characters of the series. And I really, really appreciated that very, very much. So that easily hands down my favorite episode. I think we need to get a spot for that. That was amazing. Well <laughs> yeah. I agree. I mean, this show did really explore a lot of different levels um, from, you know, sketch comedy and total silliness and let's be gross and let's shock everybody with our, you know. But then they just took a minute and they got there. You know, they went there and they 
not in a cheesy way like after school special, but in a way that was like, no, we we were thinking the same thing. You know, we kind of been through the same thing. And it's not like we acted it perfectly or portrayed it in such a light that was like, you know, it should go on and on and on. But everyone felt it. And it 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 just it touched people, I think, in a way that it only captured a certain like demographic of people that were happening to sit in front of that screen at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think it mattered because that's what people were thinking at the time. Yeah. I think the parents of young people, if they had, and I hope there are some, God, I hope there are some. And I took the Lord's name not in vain just now. God, comma, I hope there are some parents that would have sat with their children in the 90s and watched those episodes with them. And, and got the references that I didn't get. It's like watching Shrek as a parent in the you know mid 2000s. Your three year old, four year old, five, six, seven year old has no clue what those jokes are about, but you know what they're about. And the only reason they made that was so that you would sit and watch it with your kid. You know, when mm. paying for it, they know you're the one that's going to go watch it with them. And Welcome Freshman really was one of those types of pieces where if a parent had sat down and watched this show they totally would have gotten it totally that's why my mother liked it that's why the adults in my life loved this show they loved this show like you, you they- can tell from the titles the lip drama to strain mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are ca- catching all of that it's not lost on you so, right yeah. not get it as an actor I did not get it at all. And then I got it later and I was, I was like, oh man, I wish I could redo all those episodes. But maybe it's a good thing that I was that naive and that, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it came across better that way. Yeah. It's so part of the journey. <laughs> well, since, since you, you've got the mic, Arian, what was, uh, anything else you want to share about your number one pick? Number one has to be the Harvest Fall. Okay. And I am so that I picked from season one or season two, but I knew that the rest of you guys would choose some of those. So I thought we should highlight some from three and four. And <laughs> <laughs> we have a small. Not only was it so memorable to shoot, and we saw that earlier with the Jeep and the neighborhoods and Dr. Phillips, and that, I mean, it was incredible, you know. And it was just over the top drama, like we made fun of it. It was hilarious. But we all got to be together in one whole scene. And Brock said that earlier, where that was a kind of a rare occasion. But we were all in that vehicle at the end of the night. And it was so late to us. It was like an extra shoot day almost. And oh my goodness, Brock got to like, I don't know. It it was hilarious. And it was only the second episode. So I don't know what we were doing. But oh my gosh, that was... That was my favorite episode, hands down, The Harvest Ball. So I, I found out, Are You Afraid of the Dark alert for anyone who likes my little Are You Afraid of the Dark trivia. Um, Joanna Garcia actually appears as the character Monica in the Hawthorne Confidential episode. And I thought that was a nice connection because she was on Are You Afraid of the Dark at the time, but also did an episode of Clarissa Explains It All. So she was really getting her rounds with Nickelodeon Studios when she was acting. Uh, Brett, what is your number one pick? 
My number one pick has been mentioned sporadically, unfortunately, uh, throughout this episode, so there's no surprise here. It is What Rhymes of Liar from season three. And yes, that is AKA the Shanice episode. And I really like it for not only Shanice's appearance, but also like Kevin's character development and Mr. Lipman trying to get in on the gags too with like stealing Kevin's bellhop coat and trying to like interact with her. I thought that was really fun. But also for uh, Aaron's demo tape, like this is the first time I heard your character sing and I thought it was very beautiful. And I wanted to see more of that side of, that softer side of that character um, compared to like kind of the more brashness that we've seen in earlier episodes when she's interacting with like different characters so to see them like kind of go through this like, like trust exercise of getting that demo tape to Shanice and having her listen to it was really inspiring to me because as a creative it can be very hard to connect with people especially if they're like on a higher level of fame with you in this field um, and it, it just feels really validating when they actually take the time to to give you the attention that you desire so badly so it, it just gave me a lot of emotional um, connection when I saw this episode. I love rewatching it over and over. I mean, Shanice killed that performance in the in the auditorium. And I gotta give a quick shout out to the late Karen Fraction, who is the superintendent there, because she was also the mom in My Brother and Me, uh, of, mm -hmm. like Dee Dee and Alfie Parker. So mm -hmm. I like the further Nickelodeon connections there too. Um, I'll just end it with that and then I, I have to say I became a Shanice fan because of the episode like I actually listened to her her different albums and different songs uh, after watching this because I'm like wow why isn't she more famous I need to hear more of her music to really get a deeper sense of her sound so cool for all those reasons and more it's it's got to be my number one so for oh, my did I miss my one, number two okay so my number two if anybody it was a math lies and videotape sorry okay mm. I just watched that episode today and it's so good. I totally forgot all about it. And that would have probably been in my top. Yeah, I, I really, I really liked that episode. I, I just, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was a very cool kind of, you know, premise like Kevin's in the library looking for the stuff and he's meeting the guy with the trench coat and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, what are you going to tell me about the stuff? And the guy's like, we'll call. Like, I don't remember that kid's name, but he was friggin' hilarious. Like, I remember doing that scene with him in the library. And like his his face was just so he was so expressive and he was so serious like he was he was fully the trench coat guy in the library it was it was one of those scenes where I had like I used to pride myself on not getting cracked up like in scenes what? you know what I mean like I used to what? and it was a little stupid game that I used to play where I could see if I could crack somebody else up and try to see if I could not get cracked up but there were there were people there were like okay so Rick Rick had. Rick had a talent for cracking me up pretty often. Um, and the McBroom that we uh, mentioned earlier, I do remember a scene with um I was doing with McBroom where it was it was kind of a nightmare scene in the sense that Aaron was talking about, where they were like there were like fifteen takes, and not because of a douchey director. It was literally because McBroom had the mop hat. He had like the mop like on his head, and he. Was just, <laughs> like it was he was he was pretending to be like a scottish damsel for someone i don't even remember the rest of the episode but i remember the first time we got to that part in the script like he he just went he just he just went falls out with it and i i remember the first time the first take we did i couldn't i couldn't look at him i could i just started laughing hysterically and then once he and then i'd given you know i played myself at that point because then he knew what cracked me up and he just kept freaking hitting it 
every time and every time he hit it i would just be like all right no wait wait sorry sorry i'll get it this time i'll get it this time and it just it just went i just never got it it just went over and over and over and over i just i couldn't i couldn't keep a straight face so him and the kid from the library in math lies in the videotape uh he that that kid had me friggin dying like i i I had had, again difficulty getting through my lines with him and also one of the things that i like about that that episode is that they named it math lies and videotape after one of my favorite movies which is you know sex lies and videotape which is one of james bader amazing um he's just he was just amazing but i just it's weird like as a when we were doing the show there were some of those references, like Gary was talking about, some of them went over my head because I was not very much a science fiction kid. So I, I found out a lot about the Lost in Space references and stuff like that after the fact. But I was and always have been a huge movie fan. And I'd seen um, far too many movies at that point. <laughs> there was a bit of show because that's all, that's all I ever did. And most of them were highly inappropriate for a kid of my age. And Sex, Lies, and Videotape yeah. was one of them. So when I saw the title for the show, I was like, are you, are, are you doing sick? Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, so that was, you know, yeah. And I, and I liked it for that reason. So that was my number two. Anyway. And uh, Brock, what is your number one? So we've, we've gone over the fact that my number one was things change because it's like the world was open with new opportunities, but I, I would love to use a little time to dig into some things that I that have come to me as you're talking. So first, I'll start with the um, what rhymes with liar because I that was that's a, that probably should have been my number one, honestly, um, because the boy in my school song. And I got a shout out, rest in peace to Mama K, um, Arian's mom, because she used to if you would hear her talk about Arian. Arian taught herself to play piano by ear. So the fact that she wrote that song and it was like, was a reflection of her actual natural musical talent was, was huge. Like that, that, that should be, that should be your number one, but you're like humble. So you're like deferring the attention. So I just definitely want to, want to shout that out. Um, Cause that was, that was a, that was a brilliant song. And Arian is a brilliant singer. Um, I'm looking at Alex's background and the comedy situation going on here. So that that's an old, that's season one and two mm-hmm. uh, yep. thing. And in Reaching for the Stars, I think it was, that was going to be Lippmann's um, talent was, was comedy, right? So he was like practicing jokes and, and uh, trying to get, bouncing jokes off Miss Petruca right and never funny at all and he ends up getting locked in a closet and miss petruca has to go on stage for him and she's she kills hilarious she kills (laughs) she kills you and which is perfect lipman like showing (laughs) frost right like perfect and so um, the fact that they I'm realizing looking at your background that that's a callback to, to seasons one and two Mm-hmm. So that's that's really that's a that's a thing for Bob and Tim to like, okay, yeah, we're gonna that worked well. So we're gonna bring that. Um then the Harvest Ball, when when um Chris was talking about Harvest Ball, a little known fact is that Tim Hill was actually a really good guitarist. 
And he taught me to play that. Um, that when the moon comes out and shines up, shines up high, high, like a golf ball stuck in a black dog's eye. Yep. <laughs> when the Halloween pumpkins are starting to rot, what? and the what is it? The birds fly south where it's nice it's and nice high. There's, There's no, no hiding here. There's, There's no, no fighting. fighting yet. Yep. I yeah. need you with me. Yeah, who had the hobbits fall? So that was the song. Yeah. And he taught me how to play those chords like right before I had to do it on camera. So that was, that was fun. Well, it's funny <laughs> that, that Tim took an interest in, in at least making you look musically, you know, confident. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to say, and this is a, this was a special time for me for every every episode we shot, essentially. They would say they would have us be quiet for room tone. Room tone, yep. And it was yep. it was like a special time because we would all just kind of look around at each other in complete silence. And there's literally scores of people standing around, yeah. camera, lights, actors, everything. Yeah. And and I I'm pretty sure we probably try to make each other laugh. All the time. At some point all or time. another. All the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was a that was a favorite. So that's that. That's my. That's what I wanted to use my my number one slot to to share. Nice. Okay. Thoughts. All right, Chris. What is your number nice. one? You know, it's this is going to sound weird because you know, because <laughs> my number one is like a source of pain for everyone else. But it really, it, it I think it might be years end. I think I think my number one might be it might be years end. And the reason the reason is in terms of just sort of encapsulating the entire show from from one all the way up to four you know and both you know both casts the, the cast changes and the and the the format transitions you know and again being one of those shows where one of the few shows where we're all together at the same time and they sort of they did i, I think they did as, as as well as they could have in terms of giving everybody as much time it like every character as much time and space to sort of because they had to wrap everything up you know what i mean everybody's story had to get all wrapped up so you, you got to see this weird sort of future peak kind of into what you know these kids who you've been with for four years are going to be doing like you know like, like grant said like kevin ended up working at a pizza place and and you know what you know, like like brock one the scene what i remember with you on that scene was most was you for some reason, this is stuck in my head, and I don't know why. Maybe you can tell me why it's stuck in my head. But the line about you having to take a salt tablet because you're hallucinating all of the people who keep showing up, you know, it's just this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe that episode for me sort of crystallized the entire experience. You know what I mean? And it was, it was definitely. It was definitely sad. I, you know, I fully agree with with Aaron in, in that sense. It was sad and sort of heartbreaking in the way that, you know, I, I guess graduating high school and leaving your high school friends would be. You know, this is like the same amount of time that we spent with these people. And it's not even just like the four years of high school. It's literally because high school, you're, you're spending like six, seven hours a day. Like we, we had like 10, 12 hours a day. Like we saw each other more than we saw our family. So there really was that bond there. But... <laughs> We went to each other's and didn't go home. And didn't go home. Yeah. 
Yeah, they was were home with each other's houses for a, for a long time, you know? Oh. It really was. So I think, like, for me, that was sort of, it was bittersweet. You know, it was bittersweet because I had this, I had this kind of feeling of loss that was sort of juxtaposed with this really kind of warm feeling of, like, wow, look what we did. You know what I mean? Like, look what we did. Like, look, or even at that point, it wasn't even look what we did. It was look what we've been doing. I think that may have been the first time I actually looked back and saw the totality of what we'd done was at the end. You know what I mean? Where it just sort of kind of the weight of it having him. I remember Arian had mentioned something about that before, about like not really fully understanding the gravity that this thing had, like in other people's lives and how far it had gone while we weren't watching, you know what I mean? While we were just like, like they're making it, how much bigger it was becoming outside of the little cell we were in just making it, you know? Um, so that was, that was probably, I, I don't know, hard to say, maybe, maybe not, but I don't know if I would say it's my favorite, but it's easily the most impactful for me mm -hmm. because it was, it was, it was during that, it was during the, the, the filming of that episode where, you know, like Rick said, it, it was, it was clear, like, this is, this is over. Yeah. This is over. It's all over. Like you're, you're there's there's not going to be a next year. There's not going to be, and so we're all, you know, there's this sort of like weird uncertainty. Are we all going to go our certain ways? Are we going to know each other in five years? I mean, I'm ever going to see these people again, or you know what I mean? You like all these thoughts sort of like flow through your head, like you know, in that kind of weird adolescent way that you sort of, you know, you kind of live in the moment the way an adolescent does, but you're still sort of projecting this this kind of you know, vaporous future. So it was really probably the most impactful for me then. Uh, Rick, uh, you, you've already given us your number one, but what is your final pick of the night? Um, I mean, I can't think of an episode that hasn't been mentioned. And I'm sure mm -hmm. there's, you know, of the 52, there's at least 35 of them out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being 30 years removed from the process. Sure. Um, does this exact thing that's happening to me mm -hmm. um i i guess my takeaway would be that you know i really uh love the love of production that this television show gave to me and uh, i'll always be addicted to it and uh in a very very healthy way that has kept me kind of doing what i do i'm involved in things that you know involve a lot of very talented people and uh, i love that all right well we are going to transition into our segment for this episode which we call collector's corner because we got some pretty cool stuff to share with you guys so mm -hmm. jingle time Now, it's time for Collector's Corner. All right. Well, before we can get started with this episode, uh, Arian had shared quite a few things. And uh, earlier, uh, we were also talking about some of the things that she wants to send that we just haven't had a chance to get together with just yet. But more than likely, we're going to have a lot more to share, uh, which we will share over on our Instagram with what is not in this episode. So follow us over on Instagram uh, and check out some of those things. But I am going to share my screen. And Erin, do you want to give us a bit of what we are looking at? I have a lot of really cool memorabilia, but not as much as Rick. But I, I do have my um, 
notebooks and scripts, and I have a whole lot of pictures that I will share with you guys later. But in this particular one, it's just, um, it's literally, I took it out of my trunk and I love the number of the episode. <laughs> and too. It's fantastic, right? And this is, I just thought this was really cool because it's literally in the notebook where it resides, it, like where it has always resided. I've never taken it out. I literally put it away and I took it out for you guys. So um, this is essentially, it's a white page, which means it's page one. Um, and it, it kind of breaks down the episode and it's literally in the notebook where it was when I received it. So I really love her because I don't know, it's just very nostalgic. And if you read it and hit pause, you can always hit pause and, you know, take a screenshot, but it tells you where we are. And it's just, I love it. It's fantastic. I don't, I don't know what to say. All right. What is, uh, what is this one? Oh, okay. So this is rainy day women. Woman, no, women. Women, mm -hmm. apparently. Um, I love that it gives you the character name and the actor. Shout out to the great Sean O'Toole. So this is a yellow is that a gold page. page. Yeah, it's gold. They were like revised for your pleasure. They were like they called it goldenrod. Goldenrod. Golden they did call it goldenrod. That's true. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're like, it's Goldenrod Day, it's our, literally, it was not the same day. It was like, oh, uh, we're passing out pink, we're passing yeah. out blue, we're passing out <laughs> Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I would literally be like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Usually Mike Speller, because he was like the smartest, quietest person who like literally knew everything. Yeah, that is eerie, right? Mike Speller, he knew and everything. Yeah, so that's just the... He was very well-read individual. Yeah, they would, like, take me aside and be like, it's this, it's that, it's the... I'm like, okay. I literally learned as I went along. I had no... I just... I had no clue. Okay, so back in the day, I used to, like... Now, by the way, if I learned a script now, or literally in the last, like, 10 years, I would never highlight a script. But when I started, I was like... So you should highlight your lines so that you know <laughs> and I was like oh okay is that what I'm supposed to do okay so I would like make all the notes that they told me to make if someone handed me a script right now trust me it will not be written on like it won't be I will have my own separate piece of paper a separate notebook like please I will never like it's just not the same I don't know I wrote all over that stuff I used to draw crap all over my, my, my scripts, like, no respect. Um, this is an imitation. This was common. This was a memo. And they they went full color, man. And then Michael Malley's name is in there. Um, so this is stage 19 on the Welcome Freshman set. Um, you got, this is an original, you know, letterhead, July 8th, night three. Look how they put the exclamation point. Who does that? Nobody does that. <laughs> yes, Michael Valley live in the Claudia Studios. We're at the Slime Diamond. Slime is coming up. We're getting ready to play Slime Time. We're going live on an 18T video phone to Lindsay from Great Falls, Montana. Hey, Lindsay, you already know how to play, so let's get started. When you say stop, a Nickelodeon character is going to tell you who you need to 
court to make a match and win, so when you're ready, yell out to stop. Go ahead. Vice principal Lipman here. I can't find that pea-brained freshman Walter anywhere. Find him and you win. Oh, you're right. You heard what Lippin said. Two chances to find Walter. Pick a box, Lindsay. Three. All right, number three. Let's see what's going on. All right. Yeah. 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 Good job. You won the 12 cartridges, the Surf Ninja cartridge, you win a bunch of accessories, the AT&T cordless phone, and you win the digital answer machine. Lindsay, you won it all! Way to go! We're getting slimed here at Nickelodeon Studios. We will be back tomorrow at 5-4 Central! And uh, speaking of uh, drawing all over your notes and scripts, uh, Chris... You should have you should have seen her room. It looked just like that. Oh wow! No, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah. So cool. You got the best handwriting. Brock has something really cool to share, also. So, what have you got to share? Yeah. So you have pictures of this, I think. I do. But if you don't have good ones that you want to share, I've got some, and I Please. can take some. This is a guitar. So I got a shout out, Chris Lyons from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, he is a phenomenal artist. He makes these things called guitar, uh, called uh, cigar box guitars. And he made one specifically for um, Welcome Freshmen. So it's got like the Hawthorne uh, um, Chicken Hawk. Uh, and then like he literally made the, the, I don't know what you call that on a guitar, but he made that Fret. out of a ruler. Fret. Hey, Chris, that's a bass guitar. Can you show me how those work? I can only show you how to play Rip it. Like <laughs> That's all I can do. And then the back is it gets in it gets pretty deep freshman. So Tone Depth, that's the name of the band. And then the 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 cast picture, the cast photo from season three and four. And then the lyrics to the Harvest Ball, which I murdered oh, earlier, but that's all right, because that's was the point. Grant can't I sing. Think, I think we helped you kill those. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then there's all kinds of like little stuff in there, like the Othello um, here, little callbacks and uh, and uh, public nuisance. So this goes into some oh, that did into season that was the three, but I think band, right? public nuisance was introduced season in seasons one, right? Yeah, season one and two. Oh no, not mystery meat. Yeah, um, no, they were the, the three-piece punk band, right? Yeah, they were uh, previous Hawthorne High graduates who had a really big problem with Mr. Littman uh, during their whole high school process. And then they just dedicated their entire uh, art and future to uh, putting him in their lyrics and, and slamming him. <laughs> yep. And that's that. And then he also created a little ant for it, which I need to send to him. I'm going to send it, Chris. Don't worry. Um, that has like literally it's a it's a Hawthorne High School locker. With an one. amp inside it, and it's got the picture, the cast photo again. Bruh, how come I never get cool swag from our show? Because, <laughs> you, dude, you gotta email people, fool. We'll talk. We'll talk. Okay, so tell me about this because I don't. I mean, I've heard of this, but yes, <laughs> yes. We, Chris, Chris, and I. I was just visiting with Chris the second week of February in Atlanta. And I was like, we were having this heart to heart in my car. And I was like, I've realized that in order to be friends with people, you have to actually talk to them. 
I have so much love and respect for you right now. Thank you very, very much for saying that. Yes, you're welcome. If you're confused, you can also ask me because I've already read my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're still confused after asking Arian, come ask me. I'll be at your local bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Slimesters, tune in next time when we mess with weather patterns to uncover a nefarious plot in our third miniseries review of The Tomorrow People, Monsoon Man. It's a high-stakes mystery that would make any teleporter search for clues and corn crinkle cereal, too. Until then, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? I've got to help more... I have to I've got to help prove Walter's innocence at the mock trial next period. Apparently, Mr. Lipman claims he ruined his prized painted portrait today. Aye, aye, co-captain. Uh, make sure you clear his name or else you two will be doing push-ups with Coach Rochelle all week. I'll be the judge of that. You do not want to get it to Coach Rochelle with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I better get to the cafeteria with my research pronto. Splat you later, Freshmansters. Okay, thanks again, you guys. Last dismissed. See you, see you in the parking lot, y'all. <laughs> right, graduation Bye. day. You're Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> Rebel yell. <laughs> <laughs>